And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures, thus keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast talking about something Star Wars. Okay, I know. I know we're supposed to be doing Clone Wars. And you're probably sitting there going, Where's Season 7? I thought this week was Season 7. Oh my god! Season 7's coming. Don't worry. Um, it's just the last few weeks I've been um, participating in a few events. And Chris and I were talking and we both had just have a lot on our plate. And we just needed a little break. So for this week and next week, you're going to hear two different panels that I was on. The first one that you're hearing today is going to be Force Fest, and the second one is going to be Dragon Con. And so don't don't worry, we're already recording for Season 7. Chris and I just needed to have a little breather between the shows. So yeah, we're, we're, we're good, we're good. Um, so this first one is Force Fest. So because of the state of the world and COVID and everything, uh, Star Wars Celebration was cancelled. And so what they did uh, was a group of fans got together and they created uh, Force Fest, celebrating the saga. And Force Fest was a lot of fun. There's a lot of really, really cool panels. You can see them all on YouTube. Uh, Force Fest is one word, by the way, because if you separate them, you'll get, you know, it looks like an awesome black metal festival, which, you know, also cool. Um, But you can look it up. And I hosted a look back on Star Wars animation panel. And I was joined by a really awesome group of people, and some of my favorite people in the world, and um, it was just a really, really, really fun experience. I had with me Candace from The Geeky Waffle. Candace uh, was on our episode Jedi Knight for Rebels, so it was really, really, it's always so great to talk to Candace. And I was also with Thomas from The Legal Geeks, and Thomas is just a super sweet guy. I met him last year at Dragon Con, I've been really enjoying getting to know him. Um, but also through this, I got to meet Arzu, and Arzu is a book reviewer. Um, she has a, her website called arzud2.com, and she is just so smart, so nice, so sweet. I was so uh, I, I met her through Candace, and and it was just such a great experience to be able to meet Arzu and talk to her and connect. And we had a really really fun panel for Force Fest. And we look, talked about uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and Resistance. We talked about uh, a diverse. Uh, my brain just stopped. We talked about representation and animation and all sorts of different topics. And we just had a really good time doing it. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, this will be Force Fest, where we discuss Star Wars animation. All right, guys, enjoy it. And next week we'll be talking Dragon Con. Bye. Okay. Ah, we did it. We did it. <laughs> at the last second. That's right. I know. What would it be without the late entrance? <laughs> well, I very dramatic. Was very dramatic. <laughs> and I can see that we're recording. Are you guys ready? Yeah. We're uh, ready. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome to a look back at Star Wars animation. We are here to talk about Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, and speculate a little bit about the coming Bad Batch show. Before we get started, though, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, Force Fest is teamed up with Make-A-Wish this, uh, this weekend, and as of yesterday, they raised $1,900 for Make-A-Wish, which is totally awesome. But, but, our goal is 3000 So if you're in the Get Vocal chat, look up here. There is a little blue diamond thing um when you click that you can donate to make a wish there's also links probably being provided by nicole our wonderful admin in the chat and we are so close to reaching our goal of three thousand dollars for make a wish so let's make this happen this weekend do it in our panel you can have bragging rights be like i did that in the animation panel so yeah all right so here we have gathered an amazing group of people from all over the galaxy to talk about something that we love which is Star Wars animation. Um, I'm just gonna go top left to right. So please introduce yourselves, starting with Candace. Hi, I'm Candace. I am part of the Geeky Waffle Network. And I think my favorite is Rebels. And <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> that's enough. That's okay. That says it yeah, all. That's enough. That's all, right. that's all you need to know about me. <laughs> Thomas, do you wanna go next? Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Thomas. Um, I'm part of The Legal Geek. So it's a blog and podcast that takes uh, pop culture for me, Star Wars, and uses it to teach legal topics. We have a panel in just a couple hours on The Mandalorian and legal issues in that. I am the number one uh, president and CEO of <clears throat> the Y-Wing fan club. So if you like anything that's uh, Y-Wing related, just join me and it, it's all good there. It's a safe space. And I... I'm with you. I like Rebels, too. That's my favorite. Arzu? Hi, I'm Arzu. I'm from the website arzud2.com, um, which, as you can tell by the name, is my website. Um, <laughs> and I am a writer for the Geeky Waffle as well. And an unapologetic Amelin Holdo stand, which I know doesn't have anything to do with animation, but it's extremely true. And obviously, my favorite is Clone Wars, based on the shirt I'm wearing. And I'm Hope Malamax. I'm one of the co-hosts for J Guys and Jedi. We are going through what we call the Filoniverse. We have done almost 300 episodes of Star Wars animation. And yeah, and you can also read all my writing over at geekygirlexperience.com. So we've decided to start with a little game. If you guys want to participate, you guys can do it in the chat. So we are going to play a quick round of Kill, Kiss, Mary. Everybody has a choice between droids or villains. And they're the same choices for everybody. We're not changing this up. So, Candace, droids yes. or villains? Villains. Let's go. All right. Kill, Kiss, Mary. Cad Bane from Clone Wars. As Morgan from Rebels. Or Agent Tyranny from Resistance. This is... This is a trap that you've walked us into. <laughs> I, to, to quote the great no. admiral. I don't know. I mean, obviously you're going to kiss as Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kill him. <laughs> I guess marry Cad Bane. We could go on some Western adventures together. He's got a cool Fun. shit. 
Yeah, we could. We I could be a bounty hunter. Maybe I'll, I'll do his like paperwork and stuff like that. Uh, so you kiss engaging tyranny? I guess so. <laughs> you sound so pained. You know that kiss would be short lived because she's just gonna ram a vibroblade right into your side. That's right on character for her. That might be worth it. All right, Arzu, droids or villains? Uh, let's let's shake it up. Let's do droids. <laughs> Kill, kiss, marry, R two D two from Clone Wars, Chopper from Rebels, or Bucket from Resistance. Okay, that's a tough one. That's hard. To They're so great. Going to marry R two D two. Good. He's stable husband. Oh, stable husband for all, yeah. all of Star Wars. Very stable mm-hmm. husband. Swear like a sailor, so we'll get along. Um, I will kiss Chopper. So by yes, process he of elimination, I have to kill Bucket. But like, oh, poor Bucket. I'm Somewhere sorry. Somewhere right. crying. <laughs> somebody, somebody had to go, so it's gonna be Bucket. Thomas, droids are villains. Let's let's flip it back. Villains. All right, Cad Bane as Morgan, Agent Tyranny. You know, for as much hate as as Morgan just got, I'm gonna marry as Morgan. He's a businessman. He's a, a an entrepreneur. <laughs> He's okay. built this successful business, you know. Her? He could he could really provide for me, you know. So I, I like that. I'm gonna kill Cat Bane. I'm gonna take his hat and I'm gonna take his techno service droid, uh, Toto, and uh, I'll instantly gain some cool points. Oh and, my god! Oh no! And then I'll You're kill. gonna try to kill him. And then who is the last? I forgot again. Agent Tyranny. Yeah, I'll, I'll give her a kiss, and then I'll get that vibra blade in the right in the rib cage. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like everybody else I had time to think about this I'm going to go with villains too I will kill As Morgan because he's gross Thank I you. will you're not invited to our him. wedding <laughs> <laughs> and like here's the thing like anybody who knows me knows I love a good villain especially female villains but as much as I love we Agent know. Tyranny I don't want to like have that kind of fascism in my life so I'm just going to give her a kick quick little kiss and run away as fast as I can. And you know what? Like, Cad Bane is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. I can marry him. I'll be his trophy wife. I'd be like, yes, honey, go murder somebody so you can buy me a new speeder. Like, I can live that life. <laughs> so ours are the same hope, but for different reasons. Oh, yeah, I could absolutely. I call him my Cad Boo for a reason. Be careful breaking into the Jedi Temple. I'm just watching the mess that is your relationships, clearly. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, you got the only stable husband. I'm stable all. husband. I am good. <laughs> and he can honestly provide for you because he has a track record of... We, we have a joke on our show that R2-D2... Like, it's great. Yeah, like, he's worked for senators. He's great. So, we decided that we're going to go do this in... Al- uh, I was about to say alphabetical order. Uh, actually, it is in alphabetical order. <laughs> in chronological order. And let's start with Clone Wars. Clone Wars, of course, um, you know, it came around in 2008, had the movie, ran for five seasons, and then it had an on-again, off-again relationship with Netflix, and then it came back to finally settle on Disney+. Plus. So, what, why, why is Clone Wars, like, such a big deal? Like, what are some of the characters that really define this series and help, to me, I, like, we all talked about this beforehand, like, to us, the characters are what really define the show. Why is that, and what characters did that for you guys? I mean, the most obvious is Ahsoka. Ahsoka and Rex. Those are the two 
characters that were created. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All the Ahsoka love. They're created from the series and they humanize the show even though one's an alien, the other's clo- a clone. I don't know. Those two really spoke to me and I really wanted to know what happened to them. Also, I think it helps that they aren't in Revenge of the Sith. So at the same time, you're worried about them. Because mm-hmm. you know Obi-Wan and Anakin are at least going to make it to the movie. But we didn't know what was going to happen to Ahsoka. She wasn't there. Yeah. I, I yeah. Another cool thing that Ahsoka does is that she is sort of where we're at when you get into the series. I mean, we have a bit more knowledge than she does because we have seen Revenge of the Sith by that point. But she's where we're at in that she is familiar with the world, but the nitty gritty of like fighting the war and like what Obi-Wan and Anakin's wartime dynamic is, that's all new to her. So as she learns it, so do we. So she makes a really, a really cool like point of view character for the audience going in. I I don't mean to be uncreative, but Ahsoka and Rex are, are it for me, but for slightly different reasons. Ahsoka is the only character that I think with the benefit of hindsight that we now have, I see in a completely different light. I think if you were to poll folks that were walking out of the movie in 2008, you know, I, I think you would have to bleep out a lot of, you know, what folks were saying about, about that character. Then I remember there was a lot of vitriol, uh, you know, about her and how, you know, how could this happen? How could Anakin have a, a Padawan, much less one like her. And then now I she's, mean- Dave Filoni even told Ashley Eckstein, like, be prepared. People are not going to like your character, but just hang in there. Like, he told her that before the movie even came out. Yeah, but, uh, you know, now... I mean, she, yeah, that's planned to be Yeah. But she's the, only, she's the only Jedi that we see come full circle. I think about the lessons that Luke teaches Rey in The Last Jedi. Uh, you know, the, the bit about uh, the light not belonging to the Jedi and uh, the, the dangers of hubris, Ahsoka lived those, right? She she uh, has one of the most powerful arcs in all of Star Wars, uh, second to, to maybe Luke Skywalker and uh, and Leia, and then maybe even Anakin. Um, and then right alongside her, Rex goes from this sort of cookie cutter soldier that, you know, you might remember him based on his armor, uh, to somebody that lives and breathes the Republic and its values and lives and breathes the Jedi order and its values falls out of that, uh, survives order 66, thanks to Ahsoka. And then eventually ends up in the, the rebellion. I mean, it just two. there's a reason that those two characters had the attention and the time spent on them that they did. And, and those are it for me. I think that's something that, because something that I think it was Candace said that they did so well was they had to give us original characters to care about. Because if, if the show was just about Anakin, just about Obi-Wan, we wouldn't, we, we would always know the outcome. We would, it would take away all the stakes and the tension because there's, there's an episode where Anakin and Mace Windu are trapped under a pile of rubber, rubble with bounty hunters coming, but we know they're going to be okay because they're in episode three. So they were also because so Arzu's to... husband saved them. <laughs> Listen, my man's a hero. Oh boy. <laughs> but they were so smart to create these original characters because, for one, just from a narrative point of view, it gave us people to actually be scared up for. Um, I remember just going even into Rebels, just being always constantly scared for Rex and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
the other thing is is just giving the clones personalities like they were taking these like faceless nameless people in the movies and actually like getting us to care i mean rex has such a great journey but i would argue that fives is one of the most important characters of all of clone wars and we see that why he's so important in season seven and they took these people and they showed that even though we are all genetically like you know the same we are all individuals as well and that's kind of what they did with the clones as well and it was just a really really beautiful story credit to deep bradley baker for giving those characters that life and then also not developing schizophrenia playing you know a hundred different clones over the course of seven seasons but being able to bring it back to each one and and give them the personality and the consistency and and the growth that that it makes us love each one of those characters. I'm just thinking, I'm like, I wonder in the Bad Batch if he's just going to be talking to himself for days. I know I'm skipping ahead. He's just in the recording <laughs> the room. room like, running between mics. Just does the whole episode yep. by himself. <laughs> and I also just kind of want to touch on another character that came out of the Clone Wars that's starting to kind of gain more significance. And I think that's Hondo. Like, we're like, of all the people in the Clone Wars, like he's the one that's the face of Galaxy's Edge, and of course he makes it it's to. So it's so weird. I saw some tweet was... the other day that like Hondo is an is eternal because he's in all the trilogies. <laughs> he makes it to all three, so Hondo is eternal. Um, yeah. So it, it shows like the importance of these characters. It's not just Hondo. Like there's so many amazing characters that came out of this era, and also gave us backgrounds to characters that we already knew like Clone Wars was the first time I actually gave a flying flip about Boba Fett mm-hmm. <laughs> come at me Boba Fett haters <laughs> I hate him <laughs> Hondo's great and it's it's amazing that we got to see him established in the way he was in the middle of a show like the Clone Wars because it's you know it's very combat oriented uh, you know we're following two armies fighting each other and yet we get this character that starts out as a real a-hole you know, he's he's after a bunch of poor farmers on Felucia and, and Obi-Wan and Anakin and uh, some bounty hunters have to save them. Then he tries to kill a bunch of Padawans. Um, he's not exactly the most likable guy, but he's probably the purest Star Wars character that I think there is. He doesn't have the ability to use the Force. He doesn't have any magical powers. He's just, uh, you know, a, a swindler. He's smart and uh, he survives by the, the skin of his teeth, right? He builds a, an organization that falls apart. Uh, he gets betrayed. It's uh, it just rolls right off his back, and he keeps going and keeps surviving in the galaxy. And he's sort of what I I think the embodiment is of just like the average person in the galaxy that's that's just out there, um, living right on the edge of not the dark side, not evil, but um, just tap dancing in that criminal underworld element to get by. Mm-hmm. Now, to, to me, this is my personal opinion, I think Clone Wars is the most experimental of all the shows. Because, like, one one week we might have, like, a monster movie, one week we have sci-fi, one, one week we'll have, like, high fantasy with Mortis. Um, in being part of this experimental kind of storytelling, we were, we were able to get uh, so many different kinds of arcs. So what kind of stories do you guys feel that really define Star Wars? What are some of your favorite arcs? Like, what, what, are his, what define the series to you story-wise? 
to me, my favorite in any Star Wars, if it's a book, movie, whatever, I keep calling it the freaky force stuff, but it's just like the, the force stuff is my favorite part. So Mortis is a big one. And just anytime love of my life, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the focus, then, then those arcs are my favorite. So like anything on Mandalore with him and Satine, it's tragic. I cry, but those are, those, those are my favorite bits of Clone Wars. So yeah. How do you say the planet? The Umbar, um, Umbara, Umbara, oh, Umbara. <laughs> that one is when I was like, "This is a kids' show," because the what they dealt with with having a rogue Jedi and the difficulties of doing what's right and following the rules was different, and that struggle. And that just showed like all the, like we're talking about the clones personalities and how they are their own people is all the character driven ones are like what really gets to me that one. That's a really good point. Cause up to that point, you had seen a little bit of an exploration here and there with like Cutlaw Kane uh, and, and a couple other episodes of clones doing the wrong thing. Yeah, it's slick on Christophsis that that uh, betrayed their fo- uh, you know, his fellow clones. But she hadn't seen a Jedi that had really w- was really acting as a double agent. To see Pong Krell in that episode, especially like a Jedi that was in, as intimidating as in, and as in, as dangerous as he was, that was really uh, like amazing. He went from like, hey, this guy's just a bad general that doesn't care about clones, to like, oh no, <laughs> they're all gonna die. <laughs> imagine if he made it to like the rebels to rebels and he was like pawn krell was like an inquisitor like that he'd be a scary inquisitor i think it helps also like helps you understand why the jedi were hated or people were just willing to like forget about them and also why they fell because like rune smith happens in three days and you're like wait what happened yeah and it just yeah. it helps so much with the prequels. It really did. Like to, to me, I think Clone Wars does a really good job at analyzing the morality of war. You know, we're we're seeing it from all different sides. We see it from the Jedi, the clones, the Sith, politics, and everyday people. And it really shapes it to show like how war affects so many different things. Um, like you were talking about Slick. Slick's not wrong. You know, he he's going, hey, the Jedi are using us as pretty much cannon fodder and slaves. We are slaves to this Republic that in a war that we didn't choose. And he's not wrong. And it does a really good job of showing a why Palpatine's brilliant and why his plan was so smart. But it just really shows how devastating it is on multiple sides for multiple different reasons. The episode that locked me in, in because I walked out of the theater from the the, sh- or the movie skeptical i i watched that movie and i think it it blows uh my memory out of the water i mean the, the movie i really do enjoy now but the episode that got me was real early on in the first season rookies uh where it's it's oh. solely set on uh the moon outpost it's just involving a, a small squad of clones that are stationed there to keep this communications relay operational and then some commando droids come in to to help cut the signal and you have sort of the first introduction of echo and fives and domino squad there and you you sort of see their 
baptism by fire. And I remember that episode. Um, there's a moment where the commander gets infiltrate and Sergeant, I think it's 09 or gets shot right in the helmet, <laughs> like right out of the gate, point blank. And I, that's my moment where I was like, this is a kid's show. Holy cow. Um, yeah. And it's just a really powerful episode. Not all of them survive. You have that epic sacrifice by heavy at the end. And it's just, you know, a really, really good episode uh, that really, uh, that's the moment that I was like, okay, I'm all in on this one. But before we move on to Rebels, can we take a minute just to say, oh my God, Siege of Mandalore? <laughs> oh my God. Oh gosh. What? So that's, <laughs> what a note That is movie level. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think if we hadn't been in the middle of a global pandemic, it would have been like That's in a- theaters. Like once the whole arc had come out, it would have come out in theaters. I think. Probably. I actually still hope like they do like a fathom events kind of thing. Where it's be- like one weekend only. Like they put the whole thing in a movie. Like I, I would watch it. Like I, I would be like, yes, let me just spend the entire weekend in a theater and just sit back and watch <laughs> Siege of Mandalore all weekend long. Well, <laughs> Give me like my twenty dollar ticket. Yeah, well, Rebels is my favorite. The Siege of Mandalore is my favorite arc of Star Wars animation of all. Like that. Yeah. I think it was it was Filoni's opus. Yeah. Like I, I remember watching an interview where he talked about just how long he's had that that arc sketched out. I mean, it was from the very beginning that he had sort of the rough notes on where he wanted that that four episodes to go. And that's just phenomenal to have that sort of commitment. And then it's completely fleshed out. I mean, it lived, everybody had really high expectations going in. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody, unless they got bonked on the head, uh, disappointed by that. And as the CEO of the Y-Wing fan club, we can all thank the Y-Wing and Coincert Corporation for saving (laughs) Ahsoka and Rex and therefore the galaxy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, John says like if Celebration was happening, it probably it would be screened as a movie, probably. I would say yeah. so. Uh, probably. And we'd all be lining up for I mean, a night we... or in a lottery for yeah. it. <laughs> well, I always hear people talk about that Clone Wars had to walk so Rebels could run. Mm-hmm. Um, I often look at Rebels almost like a sequel to Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and I see just Candace like brimming at the oh, edges, okay. like ready to get into this. So, <laughs> Candace. Let's talk about on Candace Arzu and Thomas, everybody. But I just see Candace like. (laughs) (laughs) So what about Rebels speaks to you guys of, because, yeah, just go. (laughs) Just go. Rebels is awesome. Let's go. Uh, I should kick it off. Um, I love the found family trope. So that is something that I always enjoy in fiction. And it. It's hard. Okay, so Clone Wars is great, but it's not consistent in quality. Well, Rebels is the quality. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to like insult Clone Wars or anything yeah, like Clone that. Clone Wars was a very uh, experimental yeah. show. Clone Wars um, has a very super highs, and then it's got four episode arcs where droids are walking around in the desert with a frog. So, like, it's you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the difference is that Clone Wars was very episodic. Yes. Well. Rebels was serial, so it did have to like have those emotional arcs. While it was just like, what's on the roulette wheel for Clone Wars this week? Yeah, I just I love all those characters so much in Rebels, and I love that we get to explore their development and also their relationships. And we see like Ezra and Sabine grow up. We see Kanan grow up from who he is at the beginning, or even just like a new Dawn to who he is at the end. 
of season four. Well, not he didn't make it to the end of season four. Okay. <laughs> but it's just these characters, they're so real to me for being animated. And I I don't know. Everything. Everything. I love it. I will say that the marketing did not help. No. I did not watch it until I found out Ahsoka was in it at the end of season one. Same. Because it that was me too. So kiddish in the and in the marketing, they're like, "Oh, Ezra's got a slingshot and everything like that." How many melee runs will and... he steal this week? <laughs> hey, I like Fight or Flight. That's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I do like it too. I like it too now. But yeah, it was not. No, it didn't help at all. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I have a lot of feelings, and that was a lot of word vomit right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tend to agree with with Candace in the in the tone of Rebels. Like as much as Clone Wars is is still my favorite, Clone Wars is trying to juggle, like Hope said, you know, the Jedi and the Sith and the clones and the people and the politics and all of that in this really huge conflict that turns out like that winds up defining the galaxy. Whereas like Rebels is extremely focused on this tight knit group of people and how the fall of the empire is affecting this group of people and what they're doing about it. So it's, it's got a much smaller focus, which I think, I think benefits it. Like they're still having a, like a galactic impact in the work they do, but, but it's just about them and it's just about how it affects them. So it feels like a more intimate story, which I like and like about their interpersonal relationships. And they're really given the time to develop that. Also, it's very planned out. Was... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was actually and probably their strongest all point the because seeds. In, instead of he plants oh. the seeds, <laughs> yeah, he just planted seeds everywhere, and it's like, oh, it grew space whales. What? That's a filler episode, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, I. Go ahead. I, oh no, I was just gonna say, I to with Arzu's points. I think that's probably one of the smartest things they did is they spent the majority of the first season with new characters letting us get to know them as people before expanding us into the wider universe. Because if it, they came out of the gate with Ahsoka and Rex, it would have been the Rex and Ahsoka yeah. show. But they were so smart to like let us get to know these people as people and who they are, how they work and everything. And then slowly grew into like, you know, the first steps into the rebellion. And then we got into the bigger rebellion with Mon Mothma and Bell Organa. And then we got Thrawn. So it was very good of like stepping up into like the bigger story um i did not mention this at the top i can see people like throwing us questions in here and there we are going to have a segment at the end of the show for questions so please hold on to those uh i i, I see you so Thomas. <laughs> if, if there's a question are we best friends if you also like y wings the answer to that is yes so i'll clear that out of the way right now but i like both of you uh, make really good points um and, and hope to your point about the, the the central focus they didn't spare any punches on showing exactly where these folks came from like the grittiness i mean you have zeb who survived the massacre of his people at the hands of the empire you have kanan uh that, that within a few episodes you see the baggage that he carries as a former padawan and and uh, you know as he steps into the shoes of uh, mentor to, to Ezra, you have Ezra who lost his parents. You have Hera who's trying to keep it all together and, and you know, also, uh, you know, maintain herself and her identity and find out, you know, discover her, you know, her own path as a leader through all of this. And then Chopper who, you know, crashed and has PTSD at the hands of a Y-Wing. So everybody's got like real rooted, um, 
uh, you know, a real rooted past and a conflict that they're dealing with. And, and they deal with that right out of the gate. So there's not like, uh, you know, people can point to this that have never seen it and say it's a kiddie show. And I, you know, I, I just point to them to two or three episodes out of the gate. But I think the thing that gets me, I love Rebels the same way, I, for the same reason I love Rogue One. And that's because it makes the rebellion feel real. In A New Hope, it's just this black and white that these good guys, uh, they run into a little bit of challenge uh, in terms of the Death Star. There's there's some high stakes there, um, but there's there's not a lot to it. You don't get this this peak at who the rebellion is and the struggle that they face really until Empire Strikes Back when their backs are really against the wall. But here you see the grit of the rebellion. You see exactly how precarious their situation is in. Uh, you get to see, uh, you know, the, the formation of, of some of its pillars, like the, the rescue of my Mothma, uh, you get to see uh, exactly, you know, how close it came to fail, uh, just in terms of these individual cells coming together. I mean, you know, the, the moment between uh, Saw Guerrera and Mon Mothma as they shout at each other, uh, well, not really shout at each other, you know, they're, they're arguing over the means and methods of warfare that the, the rebellion chooses to use versus the partisans. That's that's real stuff. That's stuff that happens, you know, and I'm a, an army officer by trade. Yeah. That's stuff that happens in the real world. And you're getting that in a show that's targeted, you know, primarily at teens and young adults. Um, that's That's phenomenal background. And I think it changes the way you watch all of the movies and it makes it that much more meaningful when you watch that, that briefing room scene in a new hope. And, you know, like this is about it. They've had suffered a lot of losses just to get to this point to, to be able to muster 30 ships against the death star. So I really love that grit that it provides. I also, um, any, like I said at the top, anybody who knows me knows I love a good villain and something <laughs> that I appreciated so much with rebels was, um, it showed us a look at the Empire on so many different levels. We saw it from the lower officers. We saw the dark side uh, of the Empire as well. Oh, no, we lost Thomas. Come back. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, wait. And um, and so, like, I, I appreciated seeing, like, so many different levels of the Empire and also how the Empire actively used propaganda. Like, we saw them using radio shows and television and, and, and writing and how they actively use propaganda to hold their power, which was such an interesting How they take. use the Imperial March um, as a, actually a theme song, and it's all happy and they use it at the Welcome to but Empire also, Day, everyone. Find out, like, Sabine is the one who created two, oh, no. and how the Russians use propaganda and everything like that. But I... I will apologize to Candace and Arzu. I'm about to spring a question on you, but I thought about it this morning. Um, I was thinking about this in terms of like Disney and the buyout of, of Disney and like kind of like things that have changed. And it really started with Rebels. And then we also see it in Resistance and Rogue One. Um, we're really seeing this shift in representation and diversity. Um, I can only really speak to Orca and Flicks um, in Resistance as a queer woman myself. But I can't speak to the kind of shift in diversity um, that we have started seeing in Rebels that rolled into Resistance that we see in Rogue One. So I just wanted to, you know, what, what is having this kind of representation mean to you guys? Sorry, Thomas, I'm shoving you out of no, it's a great question. A second. I can talk about Sabine. I can talk about Sabine all day. Actually, finally, like I'm half Indian, I'm half white, so I was half represented, I guess you could say. But um, so finally, like having that character 
come up as a main character. But in this galaxy I love, it still moves me because I've been a Star Wars fan since I was nine. I was Princess Leia multiple times for Halloween. I had the giant Millennium Falcon and action figures, everything like that. And I'm like looking at my Sabine dolls and Funko Pops. I have all of the Sabine stuff now because she is like, it just means so much to actually see myself in the galaxy I love. And the fact that after like in season 30, she actually becomes a main character with Ezra. And the fact that like someone is represent I'm represented by a main character in the Star Wars galaxy. It's what you've been wanting. And it's makes me excited for my family members, my younger family members, the girls get to see that. And I'm like, look, she looks like you. And there's a doll that looks like you out there and action figures too. I'm sorry. Again, that was a bit so much emotions and word vomit. I, I, I sprung it on you. I thought about it like two hours ago, so I'm so sorry. And the fact that also just Sabine in general, like how much was planned with her arc. And at first, like I know some people call her Mary Sue because she's so good at everything. But honestly, everyone is so good at everything because they survived. They're the people who have survived. So of course, they're going to be the smart ones. They're going to be the ones who are good fighters and stuff like that. And plus, we want to see people who are good at things doing things. We don't want to see mediocrity and everything like that. But yeah, so again, yeah, sprung it on me. But yes, okay, I'm very excited. About it. I'm very Sorry. happy. And I think that's it. I think that's it. What about you, So Arthur? I am very envious I know, I know. I felt so bad when I was talking about it, Arzu. My whole thing, like I, I keep saying to everybody, is like people, people like Candace, or like when I see it in other, like when people talk about like Rose Tico or whatever. I know that's live yeah. action, but but seeing themselves represented in Star Wars, I am extremely envious because it's been forty-two years, and there is not a single yeah. woman who looks like me anywhere in Star Wars. So, like, we've got I think one South Asian man, and we've got one Middle Eastern man. Great. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay. I mean, Bo Bodhi won't, but like, you know what I mean? But I'm glad you're here. And Dr. Pershing from The Mandalorian, I'm glad you're here and I hope you come back next season. But there is still nobody in, in the animation, in the live action that that represents me in that way. So my representation always comes like via personality trait or like a shared yeah. interest or, or some other way that I see myself, but we can, we can do better. It's, I, I think, I think it's yeah. time. And I think any representation is a step in the right direction. And I think that as long as they, they don't give into the voices that call it PC or unnecessary or forced or whatever, and then they just continue to push for that, then, then I'm happy with that until, yeah. I mean, I, I understand that too. Um, I am, I always had to do the work to project myself. Um, I, I am a bi woman on the ace spectrum. And I've always projected myself on Ahsoka Tano. I always saw her as queer. I always saw her. And then E.K. Johnson did the amazing thing to like kind of hint that she could be asexual, just like me. But I always had to do the work. And it wasn't until that resistance came along that I was like, 
there's queer characters in Star Wars, but it's a pig and a chicken <laughs> man. But you know what? I will love my pig and chicken man forever. <laughs> and they're the first openly queer couple in Star Wars. And is it perfect representation? No. Um, it's actually not great queer representation, but uh, trying and failing is better than not maybe. trying at all. And so I have to. There's give so them many that. marginalized people who just love this story who are wholeheartedly prepared to throw their energy, throw their money, throw their passion behind characters they feel represent them, like Candace and her and her. I have a like, We are we are here. We are ready to to just be with these characters and to support these characters and to talk about them nonstop. But you you have to give them to us first and not like head head cannons are cool, but you know, not everybody shares your headcanon. So it would be nice to just officially be like, no, really, this person looks like me and you can't take well, that away I, from me. What I've seen with a lot of Sabine, like people, at least because she's animated and even though Tia who voices her is Indian, I see a lot of like a- Asian people just like, they take um, ownership of her. And I'm like, that's great if you see yourself in her. So, I mean, kind of, it's good that there's a character out there that people, same with like Ezra and Kanan, like people can see themselves in the animated characters more because it's not like straight out. They're not exactly there who they are played by. Even though I feel like those three look kind of like their characters a little bit in a way. No, there's, there's power to all of these points. And I, you know, I think I come at it from the standpoint of, uh, and I, I obviously I'm not a POC or uh, LGBT, so I, I, I don't operate from either of those foxholes, but I see this being amazing for Star Wars in two respects. One, it expands the tent and folks that, that otherwise might not be a fan because they don't see themselves uh, in that universe, as crazy as that is, because right, it's it's a galaxy far, far away. It can, should, and is a melting pot of all varieties, right? But it expands the fan base and like, why as a fan would I not want everybody in the fold on this fandom? I don't want you like going and, and watching Star Trek or, or uh, you know, some other franchise. I want you here as a Star Wars fan because this is a family and, and, you know, I want folks to enjoy exactly what you guys are describing here. The ability, just as I have, to see myself in characters. I've just had the advantage as a white straight male of, of having it for 40 plus years in characters like Luke and, and others. Um, but also pretty it, much like 90% of the characters. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I'm just joking. But ca- like canonically, because I'm, I'm not, we're here to take it from you. <laughs> no, that's the thing is that star Wars is trying really hard to get to the like Asian market, like China and India, but you got to put a little bit more effort into yeah. that if you want to get that box office. Yeah. I, I, I look so, at it as well as a huge yeah. advantage canonically because I look at what somebody like Sabine and her arc did for the thread and the fabric of Star Wars Rebels. Um, you know, you, you don't have the Mandalorian culture properly represented if it's not properly represented, right? If it's just a bunch of like white gals mm-hmm. and girls often that just doesn't make it it doesn't make any sense for the entire galaxy as a whole uh and you can lose me with these arguments that people make about like well it should be about the actor and their skill and not about this that or the other like no like we're you know i'm going to fully dive into this uh this nerd pool and say that if like i want to see star wars properly reflected and that means having a diversity of characters of of all races of all creeds of all beliefs 
that's how it is. That's how it should be. Uh, and I don't want Star Wars without that. I think one of the best things I know it's not animation, but um, one of the best things Mandalorian no. did is the line that Mandalorian is in a race. It's a creed. I'm like, great. The door mm -hmm. is now open for anybody and everybody casting wise to potentially be Mandalorian. Hey, have to keep baby Yoda is a Mandalorian yeah. right now. It's true. So that's, anyone can be can canonically. I that's him accurate. To have a tiny helmet. Give him yeah, a tiny he helmet. was adopted. <laughs> yeah. So that is like, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's the great thing about the Mandalorian is like, literally anyone, even though they don't seem that fond of aliens. Well, they shouldn't even be called aliens. Okay, that's a whole another tangent about Star Wars. I really hate oh, to yeah. like just keeping an eye on time. Um, so let's actually roll this into resistance because this is actually a conversation that can be continued into resistance. We see um, the continued representation going into with the characters, both uh, the characters on screen and behind the scenes with the voice actors. We got the first on-screen queer couple in Star Wars. Um, so what is it about... Actually, I, I want to open up Resistance because to, to me, this is the most unique entry into the animation department. Um, I, I call Resistance blue colored Star Wars because unlike Rebels and Resistance, which is how do these characters affect the Star Wars galaxy... Resistance is about how do the wars of Star Wars affect everyday people. And that's what makes it so drastically different because these characters don't, you know, change the course and the fabric of the canon and stuff. It shows how wars impact them. It shows how fascism impacts, like, everyday people. It shows how, the, how indoctrination works, radicalization works. It shows, it's, to me, it's the most anchored in the real world. And that's what I really love about Resistance is it doesn't have to be this like huge an animation can be personal. It actually reminds me a lot of Lost Stars that it's a very personal story and animation doesn't have to change every single thing. It can actually be a much quieter story dealing with more personal topics. Yeah, I agree that. <laughs> I mean, I can keep talking about Resistance. No, I, I, it is a real shame that Resistance only got two seasons. And I, I don't think that the marketing did it any favor, similar to, to Rebels. I mean, if you were to pay attention yeah. to that, you'd think it's a, a show for little kids. And in a way, I think it's the most kid-oriented of the three shows. I mean, there's, there's, you know, no two ways about it. And I think that was an intentional design of it. But the point you make hope about real people, I mean, you know, the cross-section of folks on the Colossus, uh, and the juxtaposition of the folks that they face on the other side in the first order, that's that's my point. Like, that's the galaxy, right? If you were to, to transport yourself right now and, and uh, not to, to cross the streams in Star Trek, but beam yourself into the galaxy far, far away onto a, a platform like that in the outer rim, like, that's what it would look like, right? Not just a bunch of Wedge Antilles, uh, you know, walking around the platform. And I think that's one of the powers of the show because somebody like Niku, uh, Niku and, and somebody like Kaz find each other. And it's, uh, you know, it's just pure Star Wars, the way they interact, the relationship that they build, the conflicts that they run into over the course of the show. Um, I, I think my centerpiece is Tam for this show. And, and, you know, if I were to make one argument as to why you should go watch Resistance immediately if you, if you gave it a pass. Tamra Vora and her arc of, uh, you know, and I don't mean to spoil it for anybody, uh, joining up with the First Order and then eventually questioning her decision about whether to do so is 
more powerful story arc than almost anything you see on screen. I, I think it's certainly a more powerful arc than Finn's in the uh, the sequel trilogy. And I would challenge anybody that, uh, you know, and I'm a big Finn fan, but I think it, it displays the sort of moral tug of war uh, that's in, inherent in somebody like that that's grappling with fascism and, and whether to, to be a part of an organization, whether that organization is evil with, uh, you know, it, it captures it with more accuracy than I think virtually any other episode or show does or film for that matter. I wonder if the um, the placement of resistance to, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, but it sort of came out concurrently with the sequel trilogy, right? Right. So I'm like, I'm wondering if, if it wouldn't yeah. have made more sense to have that come out now because it's like with Clone Wars, you let the story finish on screen, then we can go back in TV and sort of dive into how the how the little people, how the everyday people, how these different groups played a part in getting to this big culmination that you've all seen already. Because the, the show can only go so far into oh. you know them stopping the first order because we know we haven't seen episode nine yet at the time. We haven't we haven't gotten there yet, so they can't get there yet either. So I wonder if that had, had an effect on it. That, that to me was actually Resistance's fatal flaw. So Justin Ridge um, and the other two producers whose names are slipping my brain right now um, actually said that they purposely made it to be two seasons to end a long rise of Skywalker. Problem is, when Resistance was finishing like uh, you know design and writing and everything, Rise of Skywalker was still filming and changing scripts and stuff. Mm. So they didn't know how Rise of Skywalker was actually going to end when they were writing, you know, like finishing up Resistance. Because uh, animation mm-hmm. is, what, like a year and a half in advance uh, that from everything else. And to me, like, that was a fatal flaw. I really wish they hadn't made a decision to make it two seasons because they set up about four seasons worth of work in the first season. And then, because to me, season one is pretty darn near perfect season two is a mess because they're trying to wrap up about four seasons worth of storyline in a single season but like i I just wanted to touch on so on one of the criticisms that i hear the most is that it's too kitty and to me like the humor is a necessity of this show because when you actually think about the themes and the stories and what's actually happening in the world of resistance it's pretty darn dark like i you know, there's an entire storyline about indoctrinating youth. And we see that with Tam. And we even see Jace Reckland get completely radicalized. He goes from being a jerk to being someone who's like super excited about murdering civilians. And that's really dark. You have an entire episode. Th- Thomas, is it the episode that disappeared where they put yep, Aunt Z they're just in, in pipe stuck in, in shipping crates? Yeah. Yeah, so you have this organization, which is the fascist organization, taking the aliens who are the others, putting them in shipping crates to send them off to work camps or death. And I remember, like, pausing it in that episode going, did they just put, like, Holocaust imagery in a Star Wars show? Because that's intense. And luckily you have, like, Kaz bumbling in there and tripping over it and everything. And so, like, the humor is a necessity because they're handling these really heavy topics like brain scraping and gaslighting and, and all these sort of things and all every ism that you could throw out in Star Wars. And it's done so well in a way that it presents these ideas and these topics and these concepts for children to understand. They might not fully understand what indoctrination is, but they understand that tyranny is bad and they're lying to Tam 
and doing like and telling her the wrong things and tricking her and that's why it's like so important that we're showing these really important topics and introducing them and it's all balanced i mean you know for every goofy moment where kaz drops a wrench on his foot or or trips and slips there's another moment where he's confronted about lying to his you know supposedly good friend tam revora and and contributes to her leaving uh the resistance and or not even the resistance leaving the the colossus and joining the first order um you know there are also characters that balance it out you've got you know, Kaz on one side trying to find himself as a uh, young 18, 19, 20 year old. Uh, he's balanced out by Yeager. Uh, you know, you've got the, the exuberant, like excited youth uh, mixed with the, the um, you know, real long in the tooth combat veteran that knows what it is to, to uh, really uh, lose and to uh, suffer and sacrifice at the hands of the Empire and now the First Order. And that balance plays out across the, the, the series. And I do think the point about uh, the, the mismatch, that show really suffered in season two because of the, the pivots in Rise of Skywalker. Because one of my favorite episodes is at the start of season two, uh, when they finally make it to Dakar right after the battle is over. And they find all the wreckage and they don't quite know what happened. But they find the, the wreckage of the Fulminatrix, the big, that's my little two-year-old. <laughs> That's Evelyn. Yeah. Is that Miss Evie? They're saying hi, hi to you, Evie. Evelyn. <laughs> but they find hi, they Evie. find the wreckage of the battle, and it's this like really emotional moment where you're like, I know what happened here, they don't, but I do. And I was just waiting toward the end of season two for them to join the citizens' fleet and and sort of arrive at, at battle, and or, or maybe the last thing that we see of them is answering uh, Lando's call, and they're jumping to Exegol. We won't get that because the, you know, I, I won't go into the the. Uh, the narrative changes and all that. But, uh, you know, it, it felt sort of unfinished at the end. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just, just cap this off by saying, I really hope we get a season three one day. You know, we saved Clone Wars. Just show the Colossus like blasting everything. In all right, so we got 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So we got 10 minutes. Let's do a quick round robin. So we have a new series coming, and it is The Bad Batch, taken from the season seven episodes. You know, The Bad Batch. <laughs> so, uh, quick round robin, and then we'll go to qu- uh, questions at the end. Candace, thoughts? Uh, we don't know much about it, so I don't really have many opinions. I. Were you excited to I see it? I was mad because it wasn't my favorite arc of season seven. It's actually my least favorite. <laughs> Mm-hmm. To be honest, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I feel the same. Was, what about you? Arzu? It was my least favorite arc of season seven, and for all that I like Rex, the, the clone stuff is not my favorite stuff in the show called The Clone Wars that I love very dearly. So I will try it because I am more than happy to be wrong. But for now, I'm just gotta. I'm not super excited, but I've got to wait and see kind of approach to it. I'm, you, I'm the opposite. So I, I, contrary to Arzu, I really, uh, you know, as a soldier myself, I identify with the clones and, and absolutely love them, love all the, the story arcs. I love the idea that we're going to see these these folks not in service to the Empire, but out there doing who knows what, mercenary missions, uh, you know, doing a little bit of good, creating a little bit of chaos. The fact that they've got Echo with them now, I think, anchors it. And people are like, well, what are they going to be doing out there? I, you know, I think it's safe to say that they're not going to be doing the you know, evil deeds on, on behalf of the Empire. So I like that. My frustration is get out of that timeline. You've got 
you know, we're, all these stories that could be told and we're focused on this very narrow four to five year timeline. Uh, you know, maybe it depends on how long before a new hope this is set. But, you know, even if you expand that, you're talking about 24, 25 years, like jump somewhere else and tell a different story. Um, you know, I, I miss the, the Star Wars that's thinking outside of the box and getting crazy to, to the point that was made earlier about some of the episodes in the Clone Wars, of, you know, like the Force Priestesses and stuff. Let's get weird with it. Like, give us a, a truly uh, made from new cloth show. I'll love, uh, I, I'm sure I'll love Bad Batch, but I just wish that they would take a leap and trust fans to embrace it and, and trust creators to, to create something really good. My first thought was, this is a money grab. That was my very first thought right off the bat. But then the more I thought about it, I think they could tell a really interesting story where I think Resistance set this up with telling very personal stories. Um, imagine this, episode one. It opens. The Bad Batch's uh, chips have been activated. They went through Order 66, and they now work for the Empire. And then about we see the early days of the Empire, and everything's just like, ooh, everything's evil. Oh, God. And then Rex comes and he breaks them of their programming. And then you have these people who had been pretty much slaves their entire lives fighting for the Republic in a war that they didn't choose. They are now part of the empire that they don't choose. And now they have this ability to explore for the first time what it means to be free men. You know, I want to see some romance. You know, is Wrecker like a lovely like person? Like does he, you know, is he like the best romantic one of them all? What did these clones like who have been slaves their entire lives now have the ability to have freedom to explore what that means. And I, I think if they make this a very personal story, it could be a very powerful because they could deal with PTSD. They could deal with their own mental health. They could deal with their mistakes of Order 66. They could deal with so much, and it could be a really powerful, very progressive story if they let it. If it's just like QP war stuff, I'm just going to be like, you think they were like, just trying out. to save money and have so. one voice actor for the whole show? <laughs> You know, I, I read I read somewhere and then I can never find it again on the internet that this was apparently in development hmm. alongside season seven. So I don't I honestly don't know. I feel like it might be a film I was just for joking. another series. Um yeah, but yeah. I mean honestly, be bold. Make one of them queer. Let one of them be gay and then let the brothers be very supportive of this. Like they could do something really great. Make record a big old bear. Okay, so we got about six minutes left. All right. <laughs> Make it gay. We got five minutes left. Hit us with our questions. I see one. Favorite mm. Kevin Kiner music. This is from John Lang. Uh, for me, it's Rebels 2. Yes. Um, or the Ahsoka's theme. Can't help but wonder if he planned for the if he planned for the Clone Wars finale. So guys, what is your favorite? Sabine, music Kevin the Kiner trial music? of the Dark Saver. That music. When she I, that, I, that just like pops into my head. I have listened to that. <laughs> when I, I'm trying to work and I'm just like, yes, I feel this music. Is it bad that I, I can't pick out any one individual track? Yes, Arzu. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This whole thing has been a lie. <laughs> I, I know. She's, <laughs> she's just here because she likes RTG too. I'm a, I'm a droid. I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> no, I can't pick out any one. She doesn't feel one. music. I will say this is this this is gonna be a complete homer answer. What about you but Thomas? The in my opinion, best track uh on the season seven soundtrack is called Y Wing and it's this the track that plays as they escape the Star Destroyer. 
It's really phenomenal. <laughs> Ignore the fact that it's called that if, you, if you're an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter fan and just listen to it. If that doesn't get your blood pumping and like ready to go out and, and uh, you know, fight the Separatists, then I don't know what will. Defeat the Star. Yeah. Um, for me, it's Into the Star Cluster when the Callus and Zepp episode where they find Zepp's nice. people and they're flying into oh that gorgeous God. star cluster like that just gives, oh. that gives me the feels every that single time. It's a gorgeous and the music. music. Yeah. Um, this is from Jacob in the Galaxy, and I think this is a very, this is a question I've thought of, and I think it's a very messy answer and there's not an easy answer to this thoughts on david oyolewo having a part in rebels um who and he's he plays um, yeah is he african yeah. british if he is he african british yes he's african british um and he ended up playing a white character um our thoughts on this because i thought about this because i would love to see callus in the cassian andor show but there's just not a good clean easy way of doing that without addressing some things okay since there's not a, is, that many roles from minorities i am okay with people taking parts like that i love his voice if you haven't seen selma see selma he plays martin luther king in that he's an amazing actor i i feel the same as candace just because there aren't a tremendous amount of roles for POC actors, um, I don't. I don't mind yet another white blonde imperial being played by a POC actor. It didn't they went like Yellow's voice? If if I get a chance to hear that for four seasons, I am a okay with that. His voice is oh gosh, okay, yeah. <laughs> they went like full classic imperial with Callus's design too. Like I think the only other mutton chopped imperial is like Chief Bast in A New Hope. <laughs> It's just it's a British. I think you have to be British yeah. to be imperial. Yeah, I I think if we ever saw because I, I I'm a I'm a total fulcrum stan. I love all the fulcrums, um, except for the addition of Saul Guerrero, uh, which is a weird one for me. But um, if I saw Callus in the Cassian Andor show, I think they could absolutely do it as a hologram because then it could still have the animation quality to it. Um, I think that would be a really good way to get around that and still have him be part of live action, have him be part of the show. Um, but yeah, my, my friend um, has, I, I've talked with her a bit and she was just like, you know what, if they want Callus in the show, just let David play him. So, so <laughs> you know, just, and, and don't even like explain it. So, all right. So we have one minute left. Sorry, we did didn't get take as many questions um everyone feel free plug yourself okay, so people can Arzu. find me can find on you, twitter at arzuamin you can find me at my site arzud2.com and i'm also on instagram at arzud2 what about um geeky underscore waffle also on twitter just me is candace is a geek so yeah you two with your uncreative Twitter you, handles. My, my Twitter handle is the peak of creativity at Thomas L. Harper. <laughs> at, uh, me 10 years ago for thinking up that gem. And you can find the legal geeks at uh, thelegalgeeks.com. 
Yep, at five o'clock, the Mandalorian and you also have a panel legal later issues. Today. Well, you can find me at Hope Molnax. I also have a podcast called J Guys and Jedi, which you can find that on Twitter, where we cover everything the Filoniverse. I have my website, geekygirlexperience.com. You can read my reviews, and I have another animation podcast <laughs> called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And I force my friend Chris Honeywell to watch my favorite animated shows, and we're currently going through Gravity Falls. So. All right. Well, thank you everyone for coming out today. I wish this could be like three hours longer because I know we all have so many thoughts and feelings. Uh, don't forget to donate to Make a Wish. It's up there. Click that little diamond blue thing. We're trying to get everything. Yes, Victor, Gravity Falls. I see what you're saying. Absolutely check us out. And you know what, guys? <laughs> May the force be with you. I don't know what this Bye. is. <laughs> I don't have to be the professional anymore. <laughs> oh, I do have to be professional. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Nicole. Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.